Jesus Christ! Oh, you're recording. That's great. Yeah, I was I was waiting to see what you were gonna notice. That was we got that whole bit. That's good. I was just stretching it out. It's then that's even better because it's gonna come. <laughs> that's gonna come post the wonderful, the wonderful intro from Johnny Moore. So enjoy that. There's some dirty, dirty man sounds. Some, I mean, yeah, some, some dirty. dirty man sounds. Um, ladies and gentlemen, today is Wednesday, February sixth. This will drop on Wednesday, and you will be listening to it. You know what today is, Michael? Um, Christmas Day. It is Stanley's fifth birthday. Ah, oh, Stanley! Turning the big old five. What are you gonna give him? We bake him a cake. That's cute. Buy him some balls that he can chew on. What's Stanley's favorite toy? It's an interesting question. He has like a long penguin. It's like it's like a two feet long penguin. Um, he has Long Boy, which is like a. It's almost like cat dog. You remember what cat dog looked like? Only yeah, only a dog. dog, but that's literally like four feet long, and he runs around with it in the house. So those are oh. his those are his favorite toys. He's big on long things. He is. He likes long things. He's a big dog. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your him questions. Snakes. Introducing him to snakes. And well, like, so uh, we have a snake toy that like sh- it stretches, but it makes me nervous because like I play with him with it and I go. Like a snake would be hissing, and then he attacks it, and I'm like, you know what? One day he's gonna run into a snake and think, oh, this is a toy, and it's gonna bite him, and I'm gonna feel you terrible. Live in the so, northeast, like. Yeah, but my wife's grandparents have a place upstate, and there are snakes all the time up there. I know, but like, there's. I don't think there's a lot of venomous snakes in that northeast. Yeah, there might be. There might not be. I think there's like a rattlesnake that's in uh, the Appalachians. Don't, don't fucking talk back to me. That's my rattlesnake. This week. Shana decided she was going to rise from the dead with the Q&A mailbag that her and you do, and she once again used bantering points. So, because, as you all know, we never look through these questions beforehand, I'm going to have to sort out what was meant for your Q&A and what was meant for this show. So, thanks for that, bitches. Um, Josh Zarkin, what did you have to eat at MSG last night? And I assume this is to me because I went to the Game of the Kings. And Josh, I have some terrible news for you. We ate before we went. We went to Brother Jimmy's Barbecue. Um, I was with a work client. And Brother Jimmy's, I've never been before. It was actually very good. So Brother Jimmy's, think about becoming a sponsor for the show. Um, Normally, though, my go-to is the chicken fingers with waffle fries with the hot honey mustard. That is where it's at. I don't know if Mike wants to. There are three anything. species of venomous snake in the state of New York, Joe. Okay. Just saying. What were you saying about waffle fries? Uh, nothing. That's that's it. You've you've ruined the show. Oh, what do I eat at the garden? Well, it was what I was eating at the garden, but then what does this have to do with me? Well, because I said I went yesterday and like, eh, it's fine. Don't worry. Have about I it. told you lately? I don't like the way your face looks. Who are you talking to? Me or Josh Sarkin? talking to you josh sarkin's a hero josh sarkin is a hero he's he a good friend like, he sounds like uh it's like oh yeah I'm, I'm from krypton my dad was jor-el and his best friend was josh sarkin yeah well josh sarkin's a good people and he loves the show good so people. that's it's what that krypton. is johnny Lowe, are you guys worried about the trade market are you worried about the possibility of not being able to trade some players because of the amount of sellers um no i'm not worried about not tr- being able to trade someone like you'll be able to trade hayes and zuccarello and there's always a market for guys like McQuaid. You may not be able to trade, you know, Nemestikov, perhaps. But the market is going to be the market. There's always going to be... The the good news about a buyer's market is that 
if you're the first trade, you'd like to think that you're getting good value, right? Like if Gordon trades Hayes right now, you'd like to think that he's going to get good value because it's before anybody else has moved. Let's say that you're looking at the West and Winnipeg trades for um, Panarin, right? Nashville may be like, oh, well, shit, they just got Panarin. Now we need to trade for Hayes so that we have our, you know, peace in this arms war. And that's a possibility, too. But is there a concern that the Rangers have, like, one of the most important trades that they've made the past four years in a buyer's market? Yeah, hard not to to be concerned about that. Um, We talked about this a little bit on the flagship show, but I, I feel like I'm not concerned yet that story would change two weeks from now um, because the clock is ticking. Um, we have seen that Muzzin deal go down. And I think right now most teams are trying to get an idea of what it's going to cost to, because like the market has to get established for like, what, what does it cost to get a rental? And sometimes we see a big trade go down and like the price for a rental scares a lot of teams off for making deals. Um, and other times it's like, Oh, okay. So someone undersold you know a valuable player and all of a sudden it's wheeling and dealing time um i'm not too worried yet but i you know i feel like i would not be surprised if after the deadline passes the rangers are still have Kreider, if they still have vlad i don't think cody mcleod's going anywhere but that's not like a shocking statement i do think mcquade's gone um and like the only other UFA now, like uh, you and I just talked about this on the flagship, Joe. Lil Boo Nieves is a is a UFA. I don't want him to go anywhere. He actually may be in. Oh, you said UFA, didn't you? Yeah, he is a UFA. unrestricted free agent. Yeah, there's like a, the Rangers brought him up like one game too late to keep him in restricted free agency status. I have such trouble saying unrestricted free agency. Unrestricted just doesn't flow off the tongue at all. Unrestricted. Unrestricted. Just so. say UFA. UFA. Um. Yeah, that the Nieves is going to be an interesting case because we were talking about this on the flagship. He kind of he's played himself into that four C role. So he's twenty five. Yeah. I like Boo Nieves. Uh, Johnny Lowe. Person. I like him. Johnny Lowe has a secondary question. Ooh, Johnny Lowe. Which I know the answer for for you because you're a heathen. When you're in the city, Manhattan, do you eat the food from the street vendors? Hot carts, brats, etc. Um, yes, I do. I'll even get lamb from a street meat cart because it's delicious. You have to go to the right street meat cart, but it's delicious. And a dirty water dog? There's nothing better than a dirty water dog. That's where the flavor comes from. I have a sensitive stomach, so I, I do not eat off of the street, off of yeah. hot plates. Sensitive stomach ex- is called being a coward. That are exposed to pollution and c- cigarette smoke and pigeon dander. That's what I don't gives know it birds, the flavor. I don't know if birds make dander. I think dander is from skin, though. So I mean, birds got skin. Bird, yeah, well, it's below the feathers. Yeah, chicken skin is like... If I could eat chicken skin every day of my life, I would do it. Okay. I don't think that's, I mean, a, that's, that's a weird thing to say. To Fried question. chicken skin? Like, it's a weird thing to say. But yeah, it's almost an answer. But you know what? I'll say this. I normally just pop into... I'm a big fan of bar food. I'm a big fan of pub food. So, like, that's normally what I do when I'm in the city. I just find somewhere that makes, like, a respectable, like... Nothing I like more on this planet than steak fries and like a pretty decent burger, and I'll be a happy man. I'm not. I'm not going to be the guy who buys those like uh, what are those like those peanuts where it's like caramelized. I don't know what the hell they do, but all I know is that the deli- it, they like coat them in like the the like sugar. 
Yeah, when you when you if you picked up New York and you wrung it out over a uh, over a bathtub, the the juice that would come out would be this kind of gray amber juice, and that's what they they sizzle those peanuts in. They are delicious if you've never had them. Like I can, when I think about the city, I smell those those roasted honey nut chestnuts. So let's hear it for New York. Let's hear it for New York. Let's hear it for New York. Please don't do that, Nick. Visconti. Heedle has spent some more time playing on the wing and not that much time at center this season. Do you think this is better for his development and his skill set, or do you think he's more promising as a center? I think his skill set is more of a scoring winger personally. So, he has more value as a center because centers are inherently more valuable. Um, he may be a better hockey player at winger because there's not as much defensive responsibility there. And Heedle is an unbelievably powerful, like, power bottom player he has that's a that's an always sunny reference for those of you who don't know um he's power bottom mike he gets a lot of power from the bottom he he's kind of like yager in that he can protect the puck with his you know his lower body um he works really hard in the corners he's got speed to beat you on the outside he'll crash the net i think he's playing at wing right now because that's how he's actually getting ice time consistently but I don't know if Quinn moves him back to center if he thinks he can get him more of a role in the top six. Do I think it's better for his development that he's playing wing? I can't say I'm not a coach. Um, I agree with uh, this lovely person who's asked this question, whose name has escaped me because I got a little, you're a got a little lost in it's your... It's Nick Visconti, you bitch. Oh, well, all right. Um, but, you know, you, you use the term power bottom, um, and that has kind of thrown me for... Throwing me, throwing me for a loop. Uh, Why? But, he uses the bottom for power. That's where you generate the power from. Like Yager um, was a power bottom. That's how Yager, and again, this is not a, a skill level comparison of the two. Yager is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. But Yager's like thighs and ass. Shielding like, the puck. He, yeah, that's, and Heedle does this. Heedle does the same yeah. thing. He does a, the same thing. It's a Rick Nash like ability. Um, you know, with Nash was great at it with his wingspan, and we're starting to see flashes of Heedel doing the same thing. But I would say, I overall, I'm not too concerned about what what Heedel's development has been this season because we like look, we knew it's going to be hard for him to be anything more than the three C. So I'd rather him be a top six winger than a three C right now, because if he's on that third line, who the hell is he playing with? Um, we know that Jimmy VC is just like a, a leech in terms of dragging down the you know possession time of his of his line mates. So I'm I'm happier to see him if he's in the top six at wing. But if he's on the third line I'd rather him be playing center just so he gets more looks there. But I'm not I'm not like uh not too stressed out. It would be great if we got to see him play some center after the deadline though. That's what I'm kinda looking forward to. We I should clarify Mike said uh, Hedl was no more than a three C. He meant this year, not not like career projection. No, of course not. Because the people would get on you for that one. Um, let's see if this person people could get on me, but I'm a power bottom. I'll He's throw power, bottom, power bottom. Power bottom. GSM off. hockey. We were told that Quinn was a guy who embraces analytics, but his decisions have shown anything but. Um, won't not using the most advanced metrics hurt player development and waste talent in the long run? Is this a New York Rangers organization problem? If you were the coach and development was your priority, what would your forward and D pairings look like? So there's a lot in that. Let's condense that a bit. Um, yep. Quinn is somebody who we know to at least 
agree with the value of analytics, right? And we talked last week about, I think, something Elliot Friedman said, every single team has an analytics department. Every single team has this data or some version of it. It's up to the team to actually use the data, right? To actually implement that data the right way. I think we've seen instances of Quinn forego the data for personal bias. And I think McLeod is a good example of that. I think McQuaid's is a good example of that. The Pionk fucking stall pairing is an example of that. But I also think like last night, we just talked about this on the flagship show. We saw D'Angelo and Stahl together. And that's been one of the Rangers best pairs. You know, we've seen Quinn kind of move guys around in the forward spot because they work well together. So you kind of have to throw some of what you've seen out the window because Quinn is juggling a lot of balls and the reality of the situation is some of these guys aren't going to be here that much longer and he might be coaching with that in mind but Quinn is also trying to win hockey games for better or worse mostly for worse so it's it's a tricky thing because I feel like we're still discovering what Quinn's idea of analytics is i mean we all remember this the sophisticated stats package under Vigneault, right where it was this yo yeah we have bullshit our, we have our stats bullshit. but there are stats and it's important to remember like yeah every team has the analytics department but like you said joe it comes down to how they utilize it but it's also important i think you know early on when we heard about quinn you know that he he valued you know analytics at at bu and now we're looking at um looking at the early impressions of him from this season. And one of the first things he said, like we want to be a team that skates and we want to have the puck. And those were good. Like those are good little buzz phrases for people who care about analytics and possession and, you know, making sure you outchance the opposition and all those things are good. But I I look at like, if you want to look at one case study, I think Neil Pionk and his, you know, inability to really do anything outside the offensive zone at an NHL level. Um, is a good example of why people are skeptical about this. And, you know, like, Joe, I get it. I get why people are, you know, kind of scratching their heads, wondering, does he really care about analytics? But I feel like you, we have to remember, he's he has the tools that he has. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I'm trying to understand what we've seen in the process that's kind of unfolding in front of us here. I'd like to think that we're going to see an improvement on that. But I feel like this year in particular, you have to say, all right, well, this is a throwaway year, but we are looking for signs. And overall, I'd say the signs have been markedly negative in terms of Quinn valuing analytics in a significant way. But again, his analytics may not be your analytics or even the analytics that we find on sites like Corsica or Natural Statric and you know, every team does it differently, and that's a big deal because every team has a uh, every team has a different way and a different like they value different things. Some teams say, "All right, well, I don't care how many chances we get, so long as we get X amount of like golden opportunities." And I felt like that was kind of what the Rangers were trying to do at times under Vigneault. It just didn't work out well because it just turned into let's lean on Henrik Lundqvist yeah and I want to I do want to say that like that's a good point like the metrics that you and I would see on Corsica say and the metrics that Quinn may have we're we're using public resource Um, analytics which is not what NHL teams are using I have seen instances from Quinn and a a large amount of them where his self-reflection 
on a game or a certain incident or something has been far more transparent than anything that we've seen from, you know, Elaine Vigneault. Vigneault used to look at games where the Rangers would score three goals on eight shots and they'd win the game three to two despite getting out chanced. And he'd be like, hey, we won the game. Like, you don't question a win. I've seen Quinn question wins. I've seen him question losses. I've seen him defend losses. Um, I think we, we have kind of seen that, listen, we're, we're winning games, but we're not playing well enough, which is a level of self-reflection that would have probably saved Vigneault his job if he was capable of doing it. And like Mike said, it, the water is muddy right now because we don't know what priorities are being taken from the brass. Is Gordon saying, hey, listen, you know, you have to keep playing McQuaid because we got to get trade value for him? I don't know. We don't know. We're going to get a really good idea of the answer to that question next year and really after the sell-off happens this year. Um, Jason Silberman, I realize we can't fix the defense overnight, but how can we fix it in two nights? Smiley face. So yeah. I think he means two seasons as opposed to one season, I'm guessing. Well, um, or I think he's he's making a tongue-in-cheek joke. So your phone's ringing. It's my work phone, actually. It's just... Well... I'll have to recall whoever that person is. Um... um Here's the problem with the Rangers' defense uh, in its current state. They have a huge problem in figuring out what the hell they have with Brendan Smith. Um, from Brendan Smith, that's more of a a wasted contract, um, a guy that the team has clearly fallen out of love with. But then you have Pionk, who's utterly one-dimensional, McQuaid, who's one-dimensional in his own way, and also more of a throwback. He doesn't necessarily fit well into the modern game. You have Brady Shea, who should be great, um, has all the tools he needs, has not been great. You have Kevin Shattenkirk, who is very good, but has had a really unlucky and kind of up-and-down season. Um, And I feel like he'd have a lot more points if he was on the power play for as long as we saw Pionk there. And Mark Stahl, we all know, know that he's just... He's not the player that he used to be. Um... It's. I know we we bring up Stahl a lot on the show, and uh, it's not necessarily beat a dead horse. But the the reason I'm mentioning a lot of these names is Shattenkirk, Stahl, Shea, and Smith are signed through the next two seasons. That's four spots, and so you say, okay, well, we all know that Brendan Smith is not guaranteed a spot in the top six. Um, but then you have, okay, well, we want Friedrich Clayson around. That's an RFA. We want him to stick around, and as many warts as he may have, you want Pionk around and you want D'Angelo around. And all of a sudden, Joe, we're talking about the same 6D, really, just with McQuaid gone. Um, and that's kind of the problem here is there is a logjam. They have to find a way to move something. They have to find, if they can find a way to trade Shattenkirk, um, it would definitely be a good idea to do it, which is a shame because he did not get a fair shake here. Uh, and, you know, if they can find a way out of the Mark Stahl situation, they should definitely consider it, but I don't think they will because he's the kind of de facto captain without a C right now. And Brendan Smith is going to be really hard to get rid of Joe because who's going to want a guy who's been scratched 18 times? Uh, who yeah, it's a, it, 4.35 million at 29 years old for the next the two years. Rangers are going to have to eat some cap if that's yeah, the direction that they're going. And that's it. The good news is there are a lot of prospects on the blue line in the organization. Some of them in Hartford this year, and I know it's been a little underwhelming, and that makes some people, you know, fret about what's coming next, you know, with 
Why isn't uh, Hayek putting up points? You know, what's happening with Lindgren? Um, what I can tell you is that it's a process. It takes longer to develop D. I'm not dramatically concerned yet, but it's only because looking at this, it's like, okay, this is a de terrible scenario. But this is what happens when, you know, it's important to remember that Shattenkirk and Smith both signed their deals in that offseason before the Rangers announced that things were going to change. Um, and though that is $11 million on the cap for the next two seasons after this season that is dedicated just to two guys. That's a lot, especially for a team that already had Mark Stahl and for a team that a season later or, you know, later that season said we're going to re-up Brady Shea and sign him for, you know. Yeah. They, the Rangers always lot. seem to do that. They, like, overload their defensive yeah, they, they like they like to have certainty on defense. The problem is they're they're certain about the wrong. Yeah, they're guys certain. Right yeah, exactly. That's a, that was fucking brilliant, Michael. Good oh, for you. Look at you with the compliments, you sweet little potato boy. Dan Carosi, sorry if you've already covered this. I'm behind on listening. But what odds would you put on Buchnevich being traded instead of re-signed? We uh, did not already cover this. I don't know. I, I'm 30%. very a hundred percent. Which way? No, I said thirty percent. Oh, thirty. Well, which way? Thirty percent, he gets dealt. Yeah, I would. I think that's fair. Every even at his worst, and I'm when I say that I mean like him not playing, and you know Quinn talking about the issues over and over again. Quinn is at the very least been like, listen, this is a great player that you know he's a young guy that we're not giving up on, and I never got that sense from the previous regime. So um, I said it before. I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but. Every time that you do a change of scenery trade, there's one guy who's either been unlucky or hasn't been really given an opportunity with a team, but has great underlying numbers. And there's the other guy that gets traded who is, you know, not that underlying success story. And the team that trades the underlying success story almost always loses the trade. And Buchnevich is that player. I don't even know who they've traded him for yet. So I understand the, the skepticism about Buch, and there's a lot of it. And it's kind of been something that's divided the fan base this season, especially on the the fun world of hockey Twitters, which is a toxic, terrible place. Uh, if you look at what's happened with Buchnevich and you think he's gotten a fair shake, you're out of your mind. But if you think he's done well with when he has gotten his opportunities, you're also a silly goose. Like he he has to be better, but he also has to get more opportunities. But those things are not mutually exclusive. They can both happen at the same time, and that's what's going on with Booch this year. Yeah, but the, the other thing that I think is important when it comes to Booch Navich is even if we're all on the same page that his offense has not been where, A, we expected it, and B, you know, it kind of has to be. I think somebody did a, uh, I think it was Julio, actually, Blue Sharp Panther comment extraordinaire, did a like, quick analysis of how many points he's put up in the offense that he's generated 5v5 against the league since he's been, you know, in the NHL. And he's, like, in the top 100, maybe just outside the top 100 um, in, like, general offense. And then 5v5 only, I think he's, like, in the 70s of all forwards in the NHL. He has value. He has value. He might not be what you think he's going to be or what he turns into, but he has value right now. So trying to get him to change the way that he's been successful for the past 15 years is not going to be good. And I don't know what Quinn is trying to get into his head, but yeah, I think it's, you know, that's what it is. Um, 
It, it, it is just such a polarizing topic. Matthew Picora. Hey, Joe. With all the rumors floating around. Notice how it's hey, Joe. I heard with, that. With all the flu- rumors. He put you on this, too, though, which I think is even more disrespectful. But he's a new patron, I believe. So. Well. Then I forgive him. He's forgiven. With all the rumors floating around in regards to Hayes and Zuccarello's we're getting closer to the deadline, where do we think both will end up, and what do we think the return players are? So this is a more difficult... Like, the return is difficult because we have really no idea what kind of the negotiation process is, but also, are we just talking a straight-out trade? Is there some type of a bidding war or whatever? So here's how I will answer this. I think Hayes is going to go to either Winnipeg or Boston, and I think Zuccarello is going to go to Calgary... That's just my guess. Um, I think Hayes is going to bring back a first-round pick and a like A-level prospect. I don't know if the Rangers are going to be able to get more. I don't know if the Rangers, like some people are throwing around like a Nash-type deal where it's you know a first-round pick, a youngish player, and a, a B-level prospect. I think I think Hayes, you can just drill down. Here's an A-level prospect. Here's a first-round pick. Take it and walk. Zuccarello could be a Grabner deal, a second, and, you know, a mid-level prospect. Zuccarello could be a first and, you know, a a quality prospect. Zuccarello's a hell of a hockey player. But I do think Hayes is going to bring back at least a first and an A-level pick, or at least he has to. Or maybe the Rangers go in a different direction and they want two prospects, or maybe they want a bunch of picks. I don't know. I feel like... I feel like Hayes makes a lot of sense to Winnipeg, and I know that's been the hottest the hottest rumor lately, so I'm not really shocking anyone with that statement. And I feel like he's going to bring back a first and a decent prospect and, you know, maybe something else. There could be, it could just be for Hayes, but it also might be a bigger deal where, you know, Cap is moving around and stuff like that. So a lot is going to hinge on what sort of deal it would be if it's just for Hayes straight up. If it is just for Hayes straight up, you know, I think we can look back at what, you know, the, you know, what happened with Paul Stasny and get an idea of what, what it would, what it looks like to, to rent a center like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good news for the Rangers in terms of what they can bring back there because, you know, Winnipeg has shown they're willing to pay the price to kind of plug a hole and they, they have that hole in their lineup right now, but Zuccarello is a lot trickier to me. I, I, for whatever reason, I've always pictured him as a great fit in Colorado. I could see him, you know, if Edmonton is really, really desperate to get into the playoffs, I could see them being like, well, we, we need to give McDavid someone to play with. And you know, I feel like Zuccarello is going to get, you know, that second round pick and like a B plus, A minus prospect, you know, just like a little, maybe a step above what the Gravner deal, what we saw. And that is... I think it's going to be tough for Rangers fans Rangers fans to swallow Joe, but I feel like that's where he is right now. It's very hard. It would be a lot different if there weren't so many damn guys on the market, but right now the market is just flooded with guys who, you know, are frankly just more attractive than Zuccarello, even though, you know, if you look at Zuccarello's numbers, he's been one of the most consistently productive players for the past five years. But I think teams are going to pay attention to or they're going to tell the Rangers, well, look what he did in the first half of the season. He, you know, he couldn't put up any points. And what happened there? But this is also like th- this is an opportunity in that. Let's say you're the fucking Columbus Blue Jackets, right? I don't know why you couldn't have just been the Blue Jackets. You have to be the fucking Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, and a team like Calgary kicks the tires on Panarin because you're doing your due diligence, and of course you would. And the asking price is like two first-round picks, top prospects, whatever it may be. It's stupid, right? 
you're like, okay, I'm not paying that, and that price is never going to come down. I think there is an opportunity for them to come back to the Rangers and look at Zuccarello and be like, oh, actually, this is a reasonable asking price. You know, let's just go in this direction, and then we'll go from there. And I do think that's something that's going to kind of be an be something that may occur. Hayes, again, Hayes is a little bit different, but it's the same thing. Maybe teams ask for Panarin or Stone or Duchesne. We, I mean, we know Ottawa's not very good at negotiating trades. And the next thing you know, Hayes looks like a steal for a first and A-level prospect and a young player. I don't know. We're going to have to let the market tell us. Stink Fleeman, I have a two-part question. One, who had the annoying low battery chirp in the last podcast? Two, what is wrong with you? Well, it's me, and it wasn't even a low... It, I thought it was a low battery chirp, and it's worse than you think it is. It was our carbon monoxide alarm, and it was broken because I put new batteries in it, and it continued to chirp, and the back of the alarm said that that means that the device is broken. So for three days, we had no carbon monoxide detector downstairs, but I do have a carbon monoxide detector in my daughter's room, so we would have, I guess, been able to save her. That's scary. Eh, it's not really scary. It's just life. Life. Uh, Johnny Lowe with another question. Matt Zuccarello for Ryan Callahan turned the 2019 conditional second round pick into a guaranteed first and then Tampa's 2020 second conditional pick if Tampa wins the cup this year or next year, the second becomes a first, would you? Um, I think he's saying, would you trade Zuccarello for Callahan if you can guarantee two first round picks out of it? And I would assume that, again, you're talking about Tampa, so it's just good to kind of go over the fact that it, they're going to be good for a while. So the picks are really going to be the back end of the uh, are going to be the back end of the draft. But Callahan is a 5.8 million cap hit this year and next year. So to me, sure. But again, this comes back to what I was talking about on the flagship. Like you need to know that. I don't know what Gordon's plan is. Is his plan to spend in free agency outside of Panarin? Like, is he going to try to get Panarin and Carlson if Carlson's on the market? Is he going to try to spend for Jake Gardner? I I don't know. So if the answer is yes, that he wants more than just Panarin, then no, you're not going to take on salary for next year because you need the cap space. Um, If the answer is no, he's going to continue this rebuild, you know, maybe go after Panarin or maybe not, then sure, why wouldn't you? Because you're guaranteeing yourself more value. I would ask for more from Tampa knowing that you're giving them cap space. Well, right, and they they have their own shit to worry so about. So I would say no with an asterisk because I would say... Ooh, Mike's know, they, putting asterisks on words. Well, because next year they have Kucherov's deal kicks in at 9.5. And then after you know Kucherov, it, it'll start to get tight for Tampa. And having... Uh, the problem is, like... They're going to escape the Callahan contract, you know, sooner rather than later. So it's it's not like uh, they can kind of see the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? It's I don't think it's hurting them in a dramatic fashion just yet. But they do have a bunch of guys who are RFAs at the end of this season. They're also going to have a crap ton of cap space open up after this season. And I think yeah, checking now, Strom and Coburn and Girardi are all UFAs. They're all also 32, 33, 34. Like, they're not all coming back. 
there's Tampa's a little more flexible than they look, which is scary because they're just so damn good. I think Tampa's the team that wins the cup this year for whatever that's worth. But And uh, that would, you know what that would do? It would give my, the Rangers another first-round pick this year. And I know some of that cap space is going to Kucherov and, you know, Yanni Gord's new deal and all that, but, like, ah. And Braden Point, too. Don't forget about him. Yeah, they Braden Point's going to have to get paid. So yeah, maybe, they got a lot they would of... do it, but I would, I would ask them, like, yeah, Listen, ask for more in that situation because you are help. You're basically helping them. I mean, especially them, if you're giving right them Zuccarello, you're helping them it, win the it, cup. Which it's a I, fair trade, just in terms of the Rangers would be getting a body back, and like they'd be getting a guy who has value and he's a leader, and you know, for whatever that's worth for the the intangible measurement, which we can't measure. And then you look at okay, well, what are you giving Tampa? Really, you're giving them flexibility in the cap because and they Zuccarello, can, they can rent Zuccarello for the year, and probably re-sign him. Um, at a more reasonable cap hit for a short term if they want to run for a cup window at under 5.8, I'm guessing. But if you're the Rangers, you're also helping a team win the Stanley Cup that would get you a first-round pick back. No, I understand. It's a a fair question. And then you are getting another another first-round pick out of it, or at least another second-round pick. It's just, it's an interesting, that is an interesting question. Um, Eric Carlson, not that Eric Carlson, loyal podcast listener Eric Carlson. What is your favorite hockey movie? I'll be honest, I haven't seen many, but I'm going with Sudden Death, Hockey, Action, and a Pissed-Off Yager. Um, I feel like the easy answer here is Slapshot, but Mystery Alaska for me. I actually don't like Slapshot, and I like Mystery Alaska, but it hasn't aged very well. Um, A team of, like... Children almost beat the New York Rangers. It's the most realistic hockey movie of all time. Oh, wow. You took it there. Um, I, I liked a lot of aspects of Mystery Alaska. Fresh legs to feed the wolves, boys. And, like, I like Goon. I like Goon for what it is. Which I never is saw a Goon. Ridi- a ridiculous movie that's offensive and fun. Um, but it's fun. And so I would say it's between... Right now, for me, it's probably Miracle... And then Mystery Alaska and Goon are kind of tied for a second off the top of my head. I'd have to think about it, though. That's a good question. Gray Market. The Rangers' whites are the best sweaters in the NHL. Who I changed your... my mind. Red Army movie. That documentary is my favorite hockey movie. Is a documentary a movie? Yeah, you son of a bitch. It's a documentary. Otherwise, you would have said it's your favorite hockey movie. You said okay, what do, you, what do you call the Oscars? What are hockey the Oscars documentary. For? Movie awards. Film. I'm, I'm moving on. You're, you're embarrassing. I'm moving on us. from you. I'm leaving the show. <laughs> You've moved on. Uh, gray market. The Rangers whites are the best sweaters in the NHL. Who is your runner-up, oh. not including alternates? Mine would either be the Jets home blues, Preds home yellows, or Kings away whites. I like the Preds because I like the color yellow. I also like, I don't know if they still do it. Did um, I love Minnesota's greens. I just like the color scheme. But when Minnesota had like the blood red jerseys, I thought those were awesome. Uh, I'm going right. to go with the blues alternate. Is gorgeous. You you just is Maggie there listening? Is that what's happening no, right now? You can't. Look. She gonna listen to this show and hear that little blurb? Probably. When she and I went to a Rangers preseason game that a friend of mine gave me tickets to, um, she was wearing her Blues alternate, and she got a lot of compliments on it, Joe, because it is a gorgeous jersey. I would also say I like Toronto home. I'm not a big fan of the Rangers white jersey. I have to admit, I much prefer the home blue, uh, like. The Rangers' white jersey has always seemed a little too, I don't know, just a little bland to me. Whereas the blue is just like a, a more statement color. Beyond that, I don't know. I don't like a lot of the... There hasn't been a good... Like, I think 
Vegas jersey is awful. I hate the Ducks jerseys. They're awful. Um, I'm hopeful that the Seattle jersey is going to be fun. That's all I really... That's really all I... You know what? That question was actually for you and Shayna, but... I guess we answered it. So, oh, um, good job, Joe. Well, it's hard to distinguish. Well, good job, two. Joe. Your face. Take that, Eric Comunello. Sorry, Eric, I butchered your name. It feels like the New York Rangers still take way too many, too many men on the ice penalties. How do they compare with the rest of the it league, does, right? and how do they correct it? I have no idea how they compare with the rest of the league. Um, I don't know. I guess we could figure that out if you went through like every game log and figured out. No, you, you know. can probably just do NHL.com yeah, and look at you, penalties you can, by type. You know what? Take you your face, Michael, and then throw it into the face. Um, Last they talked about it on MSG, it was a couple months ago. Um, it was not good. It was far more than the the league average, and that's uh, I don't know what you call that. You call that growing pains for Quinn, um, but that's also also on the assistant coaches. It's on the players themselves too. It's it's just a mental thing, and I feel like it's one of those things where it's sir, it's a lot of it is discipline, a lot of it is communication, and it's no secret that the Rangers are feeling those things out this year. If this continues in the next season. It's time to start like laughing and then saying this has to change. But right now, it's just kind of part of the sloppy problems that uh, that we see. Mm, mm, mm. Phil, our good friend, you're fired, Phil. You can only eat one of these for a month. Which do you pick and why? Elio's Pizza, Lean Pockets, Microwavable Steak TV Dinner. Elio's Pizza... All day. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Elio's. If it was any other type of TV dinner, like even if it was like a a sirloin, what is the steak that it's like chopped up basically? It's like old ground. Salisbury? Yeah, Salisbury steak I think would be acceptable. But like I'm assuming that it's like a slab of steak that you're microwaving. Because at least with the TV dinners, you get like the little mac and cheese, maybe a little bit of vegetables in there. You get some maybe a little dessert going on. But Elio's, like lean pockets, ugh, vile. Absolutely vile. Um, that might actually be it for questions this week. I'm I'm trying to see. Like I think some, the problem is I think some people thought that like the Shayna thing was for the show. So I don't know. I don't want to overstep that. We're gonna have to find a new. Joe, the Rangers are tied for sixth in the league in bench miners this season. Ooh, look at that! Nine bench miners. The teams who have. Equal are Montreal, and these teams are worse. Colorado, Minnesota, Nashville, and St. Louis Blues. Yeah, still, that's that's still bad. That's nine times that there's been a bench miner. That doesn't necessarily mean it's too many men, but it's likely too many men. Ooh, last question. We have one final question. Mm-hmm. Danny Shitely. Has Mika Zibanejad gotten better as his hair has gotten longer? Well, his hair has gotten longer this year, has it not? It has. I think the answer to that is probably yes. I think it's a resounding yes. Now, is it because of the hair? I, that's not what he asked. It just he's asking if those things are, you know, inclusive. Like if if A is true, is B true? Yeah, that doesn't mean they're correlated. Yeah. Well, that's that's a fair point. Look at you coming in with the math logic. Okay, Matt M. This isn't a question, but hey, Joe, I'm a loyal podcast listener and a fan of the job you and Mike are doing with your new twice a week format. I'd like to answer the bell on your request for outhouse experiences on the most recent Off the Post. Once upon a time at Summerhamp, I did have the pleasure of using one. It was smelly. There were a lot of flies. It was a good quad workout from all of the hovering. So there you go. 
that is a if you have any outhouse stories you're certainly willing we're willing to listen to them and you can share them with us um because boy oh boy i i'm trying to think of like how many outhouses have i used in my life I haven't used one. I don't I've used think I potties. have either. Port- yeah, porta potty is different. That's a I don't different, think I've ever used yeah. an outhouse. Where like, yeah, I don't think I've ever used an outhouse. Have you ever taken a crap in the woods and buried it? No. Have you? Neither have I. No. no. Yeah, I've never. I don't think I've ever pooped outside. Actually, even in an outhouse, I don't think ever. I've yeah. I've it's been a porta potty. It's or not an outhouse. I'm in a porta potty. I've yeah. never pooped in a porta potty. Ever, I I may have. I'm trying to I don't love public restrooms in general. Nor do I. Yeah. So a porta potty is immediately out of the question for me. I'm a little delicate snowflake when it comes to that. I don't like. I don't like it. Yeah, not. I'm. I could be a delicate snowflake as well. That's fine. Not at all. You're my little delicate snowflake. You're mine. You're mine in the delicious winter cold, although today's a nice day actually. You're the apple of my. Um. Life. Thank you all for listening. Again, if you are a patron. You can give us your address, and we will send you stickers. Mike is writing handwritten envelopes, apparently. <coughs> Excuse me. If you're a $10 patron, you also get a mug, which we're trying to figure out how to get the best quality mug because we wanted to do something fun, but people won't let us swear on the mugs. So, Yeah, we have ideas. Things are happening. Things are things are moving here. Um, but i got to tell you right now, folks, I'm writing envelopes. There's a lot more of you than i got envelopes. The vast majority of you haven't provided me with your address. Provide addresses, all of I you. I will trap pigeons and put stickers on them and send them to you, but there's no guarantee it gets there. Right. The pigeon could absolutely just fly in a different direction. They're not trained pigeons at all. They're not carrier pigeons. No, so that's a, that's a pretty significant flaw in the, uh, the whole process. So if you give us your address, it makes it easier because then we give them to, you know... We give them to professional mailmen who uh, can bring them directly to you. It's male people, Joe. So male person. Male male person, is that what it is? What do I say? Male, male people. Male wizards. Male wizards. Male wizards. They just take your mail and they they bring it around. That's all. Yeah. Um, to the soothing tones of Johnny Moore. <laughs>